Well, as we look into God's Word this morning, I would like you to take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to look at the first four verses of Ephesians chapter 6 this morning. I appreciated Doug Maranak in his prayer this morning, emphasizing the missions conference. We had a great missions conference, and we thank God for that. The flag ceremony was outstanding, and then hearing from Glenn Kerr, then Brandon Buser, then Brooks Buser. Man, I just praise God for all that we learned and heard. Our hearts were just filled, as Doug mentioned in his prayer, with God's heart for the nations. Well, now we come back after the missions conference to our study in the book of Ephesians. We are in chapter 6 now, and in the first four verses, we read, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Well, our first point this morning is a review of Ephesians 5. I want to share a brief review of Ephesians chapter 5 before we look at the opening verses of chapter 6. Just before the missions conference, we came to that section on wives and husbands at the end of chapter 5. And I shared with you at that time the importance of the context of Ephesians chapter 5. What we have is we're called to be imitators of God. We're told to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We are told to mutually submit to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. And until we get that, until we understand that, we do not know how to relate to one another as wives and husbands. If we're to have proper God-honoring marriages that follow His design, we have to follow those principles. Well... That is also true of parents and children, also true of employers, employees, of employers and employees. And what I want you to see is, of course, in the original manuscripts, when the Bible was written, there were no such things as chapter divisions or verse divisions. Those were added much later. So, as Paul writes this letter, there is no such thing as chapter 6. So he goes from those principles in the early part of chapter 5, right into wives and husbands, children and parents, employees and employers. They all go together. It's the same principles. And as I shared with you, I think all of us as Christians, as we seek to live out the most important relationships, other than our relationship with Christ, our most important earthly relationships, there are two verses we need to have embedded in our minds. One is Ephesians 5.18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Every Christian is to be constantly seeking to be filled with the Holy Spirit, realizing they cannot obey the commands of God without the enabling of the Holy Spirit. The Christian life is supernaturally enabled, and we need to be seeking His power. Every single day of our Christian lives. Secondly, 
We need to have verse 21, Ephesians 5:21 embedded in our minds, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Every other relationship that we have is founded upon a mutual submission, a mutual submission to one another. So, you cannot obey the commands we're going to look at this morning unless you are constantly seeking to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the principle of mutual submission is not just a byproduct of the filling with the Holy Spirit, but is the foundational biblical principle, or is the foundation for understanding the biblical principle of authority and submission. All of us, all throughout our lives, are going to be in positions of authority and in positions of submission. All of us. If we're a husband, we're in a position of authority, wives in position of submission. If we're parents, both husband and wife are in positions of authority, their children are in positions of submission. But we're all in submission in different relationships. In our relationship to the government, in our relationship to police officers, in our relationship to our employer, in our relationship to church leaders, in our relationship to coaches, in our relationship to teachers. There's always going to be relationships in which we are in submission to someone else's authority. And so the principle of authority and submission is absolutely critical in understanding God-honoring earthly Christian relationships. So, every obedient, spirit-filled Christian is a submitting Christian. So important to this context. Every obedient, spirit-filled Christian is a submitting Christian. And I said to you at the end of February that if you follow the principles in Ephesians 5, there is great hope and great victory for your marriage. And I say to you this morning that if you follow the principles of Ephesians 5, there is great hope and great victory for your parent-children relationships. There is. You can have a harmonious God-honoring home, if you're willing to be filled with the Holy Spirit, if you're willing to submit to one another and follow the design of God. Well, that brings us to Ephesians chapter 6 and verses 1 through 4. God's word gives the basis for right parent-child relationships in just four verses. This is a critical passage of scripture for parent-child relationships, for understanding God's design for the home. I want to challenge you this morning that when the other teachings of, of Scripture that support these four verses are studied and applied together, every Christian parent and every Christian child has all the foundational information they need for a God-honoring home. This is the foundation. It is not the only passage in the Bible. I'm not saying that, but I do believe that you can take these four verses and plug in every other verse in the Bible on parent-children relationships. In Colossians chapter 3, we have the parallel passage for Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. In the book of Proverbs, the parent-child relationship 
is used constantly throughout the book of Proverbs as an analogy. My son, give ear to my words and apply my teachings to your heart. When I was a child in my father's home, my father taught me. Those are the kinds of words that we hear throughout the book of Proverbs. So we could go from Genesis to Revelation, any verse, any passage that has to do with parents and children, how to have a proper God-honoring home that follows God's design can be plugged into Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. Now, having said that, let me say something which I think is very important this morning. As you follow these principles, it doesn't mean that everything is going to be perfect in your home. It doesn't mean there won't be conflict. But we do have God's principles and his design for our home. We need to understand as we seek to obey and live out these principles that we are fallen men and women. We have fallen sinful children. And not only that, but I personally believe that the Christian home is one of the greatest focuses of Satan's attack. There is spiritual warfare going on in every Christian home. So we take the fact that we're all fallen, sinful human beings in the home, and there's spiritual warfare going on in the home. We realize that we need the power of the Holy Spirit to be the kind of parents and the kind of children that God wants us to be. I'm going to mention this again next week. But I want you to see something in the flow of Ephesians. We go from being filled with the Spirit, submitting to one another, wives, husbands, children, parents, employees and employers, and then right in to spiritual warfare, Ephesians six ten through 18. It is no mistake. We go right from those most important relationships right into understanding spiritual warfare and why we need to put on the armor of God. And so let me say to you this morning, here are the kind of parents God's looking for. God is looking for parents who are passionate for Christ himself. In all their sin and weaknesses, they want to be Christ followers and to model that for their children. God is looking for children. Children who want to seek the Lord with all their hearts and to obey, and to obey their imperfect parents because God says, because God says it's the right thing to do. Do you know what the Christian home is? The Christian home is fallen parents and fallen children bringing glory and honor to God. Sinful parents and sinful children bringing glory and honor to God. That is the beauty of the Christian home. So let's look at this passage. There are two commands to children and two commands to parents. Our second point is children. First of all, children are to obey their parents in the Lord. Verse 1, children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Children, the word children here does not refer specifically to little children. 
but rather it refers to all children who are still in their parents' home. So this could refer to a child who is nine years old or a child who is 19 years old. They are obviously at different ages of development, different ages of independence and growth, but nonetheless, they are called, while they are still under their parents' authority, to obey their parents. The word obey here is not a negative word, but a positive word. It means to listen with attentiveness and to respond positively. It means to be sensitive to the wisdom, counsel, and knowledge of your parents. No, they're not perfect. Doesn't mean parents and children will always agree. But you want to obey them because you want your counsel their counsel, you want their wisdom, you want their knowledge. They are the parents that God has given you to guide you, to instruct you, to lead you through life. Children are to obey their parents because they want to please the Lord and do what is right in his sight. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. And that Those last two phrases are so critical. In the Lord, for this is right. In the book of Colossians, chapter 3, in that parallel passage, it says, children, obey your parents, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Children, obey your parents, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. You want to honor God. You want to do what is right in his sight. So it isn't parents saying, obey me, because I told you so. That isn't the thought. No, it's obey me. Because this is God's design. We're, I'm seeking the Lord. Your mom is seeking the Lord. We need you to obey us. We want to please God. We want to honor God. We want to seek him together as a family. Parents, there is such a responsibility here because parents stand in the gap between their children and God, especially when their children are quite small and they're still learning to form a relationship with God, a relationship with Christ. And so their parents are, in a sense, God's emissaries, God's ambassadors for their children. And parents, don't ever forget that those children in your home They're not yours. They belong to God. You are simply stewards. He has entrusted them to you to point them and lead them to him. Okay, those children in your home are not yours. They are his. When we say that children are a gift from heaven, that is more than just a saying. They are gifts from God. They belong to God. He has entrusted them to us so that we might point them and lead them to him. Everything is in the Lord. Everything is in the Lord. For this is right. For this, you could substitute the words God's design. For this is God's design. So the first command is children, obey your parents. In the Lord, for this is right. Second, children are to honor both their father and their mother. In verses 2 and 3, it says, Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live 
long in the land. Now this, of course, is the fifth of the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and your mother. Children are to respect their parents and they are to honor their parents. And this is the foundational principle for every child having a right relationship with their parents and a right relationship with other people in authority. If children never learn to honor their father and mother, they will have a hard time honoring teachers, coaches, police officers, and anyone else who may be an authority over them. And that's why in the home, children are to be taught to honor, to respect their father and their mother. Now, when it says children obey your parents, the primary application is to obedience in the home while you are still under your parents' authority. However, honor your father and mother is a principle that's to be obeyed beyond a child's time in the home. All children are to honor their parents, honor their father and mother. So you could be 55 years old here this morning, you are still to honor your father and your mother. Now let me say something here. And this is something I've certainly learned over the years in talking with many people. When I say honor your father and your mother, and that this is a principle for not only in the home, but beyond your time in the home, when you form a new home with your spouse, I know this is not always easy. It is very likely, and I would say almost for sure, that there are some of you sitting here as adults who have a hard time either honoring your parents or one of your parents. Maybe your parents are unsaved and don't live the way they should, haven't treated you the way they should. Maybe you have Christian parents, but you have a damaged relationship with one or both of your parents. That is not unusual. So I may be talking this morning to some of you who have a damaged relationship with one or both of your parents. And I simply want to say this, no matter how difficult it may be, you must look for ways. You must look for ways to honor your father and mother. You must do everything you can to at least find some ways that you can honor them. And here's why. Because parents, the way you honor your father and mother is a model for how your children are to honor you. It is going to be very difficult for you as a parent of young children or older children to say to them, you need to honor your father and mother when they don't see you honoring your father and your mother. Let me say that again. Parents, you model for your children what it means to honor your father and your mother. This principle, you never outlive this principle until your parents die. So very important. How important is it? Look at verse 3. 
Well, at the end of verse 2, excuse me, it says, This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. We can look at this from two different aspects. First of all, Paul is saying, You know how important it is to honor your father and mother? Because when God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, when God gave Moses the Decalogue, this commandment was so important that it was the first commandment with the promise. And here was the promise that God gave to Moses, to parents, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. That when children honor their father and mother, they are actually promised that their life will go well and that they will live, they will physically live longer in the land that God promised to them. So there is that sense in which Paul is simply saying, you know, you know how important this is that children honor their father and mother? Because this was the first commandment with a promise. They were actually promised in the Old Testament that it would go well with them and they may live long in the land. That's one way to look at it. There is another way to look at that, and that is that this does have application to New Testament believers. Now, I do not believe personally that we are promised a long life if we honor our father and mother. However, I do believe that the principle here is is that if you honor your father and mother, your life will go well according to God's design. You will experience more of the joy of the Lord and the peace of the Lord when you seek to honor your father and your mother. And whatever days, whatever days God may give you on this earth, you will have the fulfillment of knowing you're following God's design. So it will go well with you in a spiritual sense. It will go well with you. You will experience God's joy, God's serenity, as you seek, even in difficult situations, to honor your father and mother. And whatever days he gives you, however long your life may be, you will have the satisfaction and joy of knowing you are following his principles and his design. So children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And honor your father and mother. That brings us to our third point, and that is parents. After instructing children, the Apostle Paul immediately instructs parents with the command, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Wow. I don't know about you, but I've always found that interesting. I feel like I'm being singled out. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Now, ladies, just so you know that you're not being let off the hook here, this command can refer to both parents. So, mothers, please know that it is very possible for a mother to provoke her children to anger. It is very possible. In Hebrews 11.23, it says the parents of Moses, when he was born, hid him for three months. The same word that is used for fathers in Ephesians 6 is used for parents in Hebrews 11. Same word, translated two different ways because of the context. 
So it can apply to both fathers and mothers. However, however, the correct translation in Ephesians 6.4 is fathers. You can go to any English translation you want. There may be an exception somewhere that I don't know about. But I looked at a half dozen different English translations. That it's always, the words always translated fathers. And I believe there's a reason for that. Dads, because of your God-given makeup, which is wonderful, but when you are not filled with the Holy Spirit, there is something about a man, something about a father that can provoke their children to anger. In Colossians 3, it says, Fathers, do not provoke your children or they will become discouraged. Some translations have, or they will become disheartened. There is something about us as fathers that can cause wounds in the hearts and lives of our children if we are not careful. In our Men's Bible Institute class on Wednesday nights this semester, one of our lessons was about the father wound. How fathers can wound their sons and how those sons will carry those wounds even into their adult years and struggle with those wounds to the point where they have to be careful not to wound their children and pass it on from generation to generation. So fathers, there, this is a special command to you. In the first century, this was seen as radical. In the first century, fathers under Roman law had full authority over their home. There was a Latin phrase used to describe the authority of a father. It was patria potestas. Patria potestas, which means fathers have full authority, absolute authority in their home. A Roman citizen, a father who is a Roman citizen, had absolute authority over his slaves, absolute authority over his wife, absolute authority over his children. Dad was always right. You never questioned his authority. He could do whatever he wanted, even mistreating his wife and children because he had full authority. So when Christianity came along and infiltrated the Roman Empire, Fathers are called not to have absolute authority, but to be under the authority of God and not to provoke their children to anger. That was radical. That was radically different than that what they grew up learning. To provoke here means a repeated, ongoing pattern of treatment that gradually builds up a deep-seated anger and resentment in a child, often exhibiting itself in open, outward hostility. Repeated, ongoing pattern of treatment that gradually builds up, builds up in a child deep-seated anger and resentment. What does it mean? What are some examples of fathers provoking their children to anger? Well, let me give you just a few examples here. These are not my own. These actually come from John MacArthur's commentary on Ephesians. He gives quite a few examples of ways that fathers provoke their children to anger. 
And this is not an exhaustive list by any means. By means of the word of God being used by the illuminating work of the Holy Spirit, you may think of different examples. You may think some of, of some examples that apply to your own life this morning. But let me give you five examples of ways that fathers can provoke their children to anger. One, they can be overly strict. It is the father who has a rule for everything. In biblical counseling, it's called smothering your children. Never letting them make decisions. Never respecting their ideas and their thoughts and opinions. It's just literally suffocating them to the point where they become angry and resentful. Second example, favoritism. Where you favor one child over another. Maybe one child's more talented. Maybe one child's more obedient. Oh, dads, we must be very careful that we never give the impression that one child is more important than another. Third, and I think this is especially hard for some fathers, and that is pushing achievement. You want your child, son or daughter, to be the best athlete. You want them to be the best musician. You want them to be the best student. Maybe they're just an average athlete. Maybe they're just an average student. But you want to push them. Push them to the point that they begin to resent it. A fourth way is a lack of praise and encouragement. The only thing your children ever hear from you as a father is that which is negative and critical. Why didn't you do that? How come you didn't do that? You never encourage them. You never praise them for good behavior. And the last is by far the most important. Hopefully it doesn't characterize you as a father, but it could, even as a Christian father. The fifth is physical and verbal abuse. Physical and verbal abuse. I pray that that would never be counted among Christian fathers, but I'm afraid that sometimes it is. Fathers, again, there is something about us. We are made by God to be physically stronger. Sometimes we are emotionally stronger. And we use that against our children. Push them. Shove them. Yell at them. Belittle them. Mock them. To the point that inwardly and sometimes outwardly, they simmer with anger and resentment. Let me ask you dads this morning. This is not specifically Father's Day, but every day is Father's Day. Do you struggle with anger? Let me ask you as a father this morning, be honest with yourself. Do you struggle with anger? And do your children know that? Dads, you can only overcome this by being filled or by being spirit-filled. You can only overcome this tendency to provoke our children to anger, to provoke our children to become discouraged and disheartened. You can only overcome it by being filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me read something for you, and maybe it'll be an encouragement to some dads here this morning. This is from a dad whose children 
are now adult children and he's looking back on what he would have done differently if he had to do it over again. I always find those kinds of things instructive. If I had to do it over again, here's what I do. Here's what he writes. My family is all grown and the kids are all gone. But if I had to do it all over again, this is what I would do. I would love my wife more in front of my children. I would laugh with my children more at our mistakes and our joys. I would listen more, even to the littlest child. I would be more honest about my own weaknesses, never pretending to be perfect. I would pray differently for my family. Instead of focusing on them, I'd focus on me. I would do more things together with my children. I would encourage them more and bestow more praise. I would pay more attention to little things like deeds and words of thoughtfulness. And then finally, if I had to do it all over again, I would share God more intimately with my family. Every ordinary thing that happened in every ordinary day, I would use to direct them to God. Dads, you can be that kind of dad. No matter where you're at this morning, you can be that kind of father by the filling of the Holy Spirit. Well, there is a second command to parents. Paul follows the negative command with a positive one. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Discipline here refers to systematic, consistent training of children. Discipline is not a negative word here. Again, it is a positive word. It means, parents, be consistent. Be consistent. Bring them up in the discipline of the Lord. Now, this includes encouragement, and gratefulness, and also includes correction, godly correction and punishment. But here's what I love about this word. Bringing them up in the discipline of the Lord refers primarily not to the giving of information, but to the formation of godly character. Bringing them up in the discipline of the Lord refers primarily not to the giving of information, but to the formation and development of godly character. You bring them up to help them form godly character in their lives. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Instruction carries the idea of ongoing instruction. It's something that's always being done. I know my wife Lori and I would say to you, we are indebted. We weren't perfect parents by any means. But we are indebted to Dr. James Dobson. I think my whole generation is of Christian parents, the founder and former head of Focus on the Family. He always taught about teachable moments. And that was so important. And continues to be teachable moments, whether it's with your children or your grandchildren. If you have family devotions, that's great. Go for it. But your instruction goes way beyond that. 
way beyond that. It's looking for teachable moments in every part of life. It is Deuteronomy chapter 6. It is the Hebrew Shema. You are to impress these commands upon your children when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you rise up. I love that. When you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you rise up, when, you drive, when you're driving in your car, when you're out playing together, when you're just sitting at home, watching TV or reading books, every one of those moments is a possible teachable moment. And parents, one of the things we all need to understand is you never know when those teachable moments are going to come. Be ready. They may come at unexpected times. Have you ever gone through this with your children? Sometimes they're just not ready to talk. Other times they'll talk your ears off. Did you ever notice that? It's a beautiful thing. Sometimes they're just not ready to talk. They're private. They want to be alone. Other times they're ready. As a parent, you need to be ready when they're ready. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Please notice the last phrase of the Lord because it directly connects us back to verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Everything is in the Lord. Everything that parents do and children do must be done in the Lord. You know what a Christian home is, and this is going to bring me full circle from where I started. A Christian home is a home of broken people seeing their desperate need for Christ. The Christian home is a home of broken people seeing their desperate need for Christ. They look to Christ together, parents and children. They look to God's word excuse me, together, parents and children. They constantly seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit together, parents and children and parents. Let me emphasize, your children can be filled with the Holy Spirit. They can. Don't minimize their capability to understand what it means to seek Christ with all their hearts and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And together, parents and children, together, they desperately seek to do everything for the glory of God. Parents, more than anything else, if you are to obey this passage, this foundational passage for God's design for the home, you have to hunger and thirst for God. You do. You will do some things well and you will do some things not so well. But your children are watching you. Do they see a mom and a dad who hunger and thirst for Christ? Do they see that above all the rules and all the stories they're read and told, do they see that mom and dad are hungering for Christ? Parents, 
your children are not looking for perfect parents. They are looking for parents that love Jesus. They are. More than anything else you will do, your sons and your daughters want to know and want to see if you love Jesus. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you that as children and parents you have not left us alone to wrestle and grapple with what we're supposed to do. You have given us beautiful, wonderful, eternal principles. Thank you. Help us to long for you, to hunger for you, and to obey you. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.